0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message today. If we begin to talk about trusting through the trial. I want to begin to open this up and help us to understand it. You know, there's an, there's an old Arab uh, parable that says all sunshine makes all sunshine without any rain makes a desert. You see, the reality is if we only live in sunshine, if things are only good and we never have the rain or difficulties in our life, the reality is we don't grow and we don't become what god wants us to be and so the reality is today we want to see how god is using the trials in our life the seasons of rain in our life it takes both the good and the bad to grow my faith it takes good and bad to grow your faith and to mature me as a believer and as a follower of christ let's be honest Life is a mixture, right? It's a a mixture of, of pain and pleasure. It's a mixture of victory and defeat, success and failure of the mountaintop experiences in the valleys of our life. But the reality for me and really for you, and I hope that this is what you'll grab today as we look at it, is our faith grows more in the seasons of pain, in the seasons of defeat and failure and problems, that is when we're refined and that is when we're strengthened and when we grow. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me over to the book of Peter. First Peter chapter one. Now Peter had an encounter with God and uh, this encounter with the Lord Jesus changed and transformed his life. And here we're going to look at a book that Peter wrote. Now the transformation has happened but now we're gonna see, in fact, we're gonna to begin to understand the depth of his maturity. When you see him walking with Jesus, you see a lot of immaturity. You see that he wasn't where he needed to be. His faith wasn't where it should have been, but God took him through a lot of experiences that matured his faith. And as he writes 1 Peter, we're gonna look into this and we're gonna see how God enables us to be stronger and to grow through the trials of our life. So 1 Peter, Chapter 1 and verse 3. Click over there with me, if you will. I'm going to read from the Living Bible. It says, all honor to God, all honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again, so that, so that we are now members of God's own family. We live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose again, from the dead. Now, let me pause for a moment here and just help us to understand that Peter is saying that there is a mercy. And man, we've been praising the Lord today and declaring the greatness of our God, that he is a God that is merciful and loving and compassionate. And today, Peter is declaring that Christ possesses, and through Christ, we can possess eternal life. That through him, that we find mercy from God, we find grace from God. It's a boundless mercy. I love it because there's no End to the mercy of God. Now, let's be honest, right? I mean, you and I. I mean, how many times have we cried out for God's mercy, for God's grace? And I've got to tell you, I'm glad that there was no limit to the mercy and grace of God. Can I just get a, get a amen right where you're at right now? That God, He continues. It's a boundless mercy. He pours out His grace. He pours out His mercy on us, and because of Jesus. Christ coming and and, and and enabling us to have a relationship with God. We have this boundless mercy from Him. Let's pick up in verse 4 where I left off. In verse 4, it says and God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life and for that we can say amen that we have eternal life it's a priceless gift that God gives to us and it goes on it is it is kept in heaven for you now last week we looked at that's our blessed hope this is the hope that one day we're going to be with him one day we're going to rule with him we're going to we're gonna to be in his presence, no more sickness, no more dying, no more sorrow, and right now we can say, praise the Lord, no more disease. I mean, all of that is gone, and we're going to be with him, worshiping him, praising him. I mean, I love it. It says it's kept, it's it's for you, it's kept for you in heaven, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay and God in his mighty power, he's omnipotent he is all powerful in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are, he goes on to say trusting him now in a moment I'm going to unpack that you're trusting him and so he says it will be yours in that coming day for all to see. Verse 6, so be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead even though the going is rough for a while down here. Can we hear amen right now? Even though it's rough down here, he says there is something that's being held for us, kept for us in eternity. Now before I finish this this, uh, next verse, I want to pause for a moment and, and he's talking about the assurance of our hope the assurance that you and I have a hope that's in eternity see life is full of trials I mean, if you were to pause and, and begin to just share with somebody in your life, the reality is we've all had them. There's trials in our life that we go through, and they look, they look like many different, or let me say, they, 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 uh, they impact us in many different ways, and they can, they can look very, very different. It can be sickness, it can be disease, it can be loss, it can be financial. I mean, I was pondering as I was uh, reading and reflecting and just preparing my, my thoughts for you today, I was reflecting on the life of Joseph. I mean, think about what Joseph went through. I mean, here his own brothers threw him into a cave. They, 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 they you know, he, he sold and he heads off to Egypt. And there he's accused of, of, uh, of all that, that landed him in prison, wrongly accused, we should say. And all that he went through, the reality is we all face trials. That was Joseph's trial. Naomi, As I've pondered this, Naomi, Naomi lost her husband, went to a foreign land, she was in a foreign land, loses her husband and and, 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 and children, and now there's a famine in the land and she's got two daughter-in-laws and she decides she's gonna go back home. I mean, the loss of death. I mean, all of these things, trials that come our way. Now, trials are different than temptation trials are different than temptation. Temptation is what primarily the enemy uses or my, my own fleshly lust and desires are, are drawing me and pushing me. But it's primarily a tool of the enemy temptation to get me to sin, to get you to sin, to, to get us to turn away from God and, and to rebel against God. It could be my my natural desires. The Word of God says it could be the love of this world and the things of this world, the the lust of the eyes and and the lust of the flesh, the 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 pride of life. I mean, the self promoting uh, spirit or 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 trying to feel uh, you know more valuable or my self esteem or my worth building up that I I put, paint myself in a different picture or light than what I really am. All of these things are way. That either my my own desires, my own will, my own. Uh, m- you know, passions and lusts and, and wants are, are pushing me, or the enemy has laid before me that I'm tempted by, and it's get, it's to get me to turn away from God, to, to rebel against God. Now the reality is temptations, those things cause me to sin, but it's the trials of our life that sometimes we just don't understand. Now, a couple of things before I, I finish in in First Peter here that I want you to understand about trials. First of all, trials are inevitable they will come in fact in 1st Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 it says don't be shocked I mean some of us are shocked that this is happening right now in the world no Peter tells us don't be shocked by these trials don't be shocked and surprised by what's happening why is because they're inevitable Trials are going to happen. And the second thing I've learned is they're unpredictable. We can't predict when they're going to come. We can't plan the time. We can't schedule them. We can't put them on a, on a. this is the right time for the trial. I mean, they come unexpected. Now, if you're a parent, you probably have had this experience, right? Did you have to take your children usually when they were really sick did you take them to the doctor during the day or did it usually happen like late at night when you're asleep you know and it's just like oh man i'm going to i'm going to have to get up i'm going to have to dress go to take them to the hospital i mean it happened at like inconvenient times or there's a trip or you're wanting to do something I, the reality is they're, they're they're unpredictable they come and they happen they're impartial i mean it 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 It's the uh, the scripture uh, says that no one is uh, insulated on the just or the unjust. I mean, they come, they're impartial. They they uh, hit, trials hit, doesn't matter what economic uh, situation. I mean, look at this pandemic right now. I mean, if you see a map, you see red dots all over the world. I mean, it is not impartial to a country. And now it's not even impartial to a state. And in Broward, you know, we might be one of the leading ones, but now it's going all up and down the state of Florida. If you're in Florida, you've seen those maps. I mean, it's impartial. It's hitting everybody. But what I know from scripture is that trials are temporary. There is an end to them. And we could say amen to that right now. There is an end. They don't last. It's something And I kind of just keep this in my mind when a trial blows into my life. And right now that's what we're in. We're in a trial with this pandemic. The reality is we're gonna go through it. There is something on the other side of it. We're gonna get through the circumstances that we're walking through. Maybe because of the pandemic or other things in your life, there's other trials that have now been forced upon you. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe a, a loved one is ill or sick or going through something. But the reality is they hit all of us and God helps us to go through them. And as we go through them, we've got to see God's purpose in it. And that's where Peter picks up in verse seven. Peter says this, these trials, now he's gonna show that there's a purpose in the trial. These trials are to test your faith. Now, you may want to underline that or circle that this this testing your faith is to strengthen your faith. It's to it's to mature your faith. The trial that blows in. We don't want it. We don't desire it. We want to get out of it as soon as we can. But Peter says, "Wait a minute. Don't forget there's a purpose to the trial. And this trial will strengthen, mature, it's testing your faith to do what? to see whether or not it is strong. If what's strong? Your faith is strong and if your faith is pure. Now this is so good because he goes on to help us to get the imagery. It's being tested as fire tests gold and purifies it. I mean what God's doing is he's he's maturing and strengthening and, and enabling me to become what he wants me to be as a follower of Christ, pure and undefiled and strong. And it's like fire that's purifying the the imperfections of the gold. How are you gonna get the imperfections out is when it gets under the fire, that fire begins to increase. and, And as it increases, the imperfections begin to reveal and it begins to be removed. That's what God is doing with the trials in our life. Don't waste this trial. Let this trial be a time of saying, God, what are you revealing to me? What are you showing me? What are you wanting to do in me? And let the imperfections begin to be wiped away and removed in your life. Because as you do, your faith is growing stronger. You're becoming what God wants you to be. And so he says it's strong as pure as it's tested as gold purifies and your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith, now, I mean, look there. It's not necessary that it's going to happen. It's if your faith remains strong after what? being tried. You see, God has a purpose in the trial. In the trial, you're being strengthened. In the trial, he's building character in you. You're building godly character. You're walking with the fruit of the Spirit in a greater way in your life. In the end, what's happening through the trial is the glory of God is shining through you, and the glory will reveal who he is in your life. There's a purpose in the trial. Do I want it? No. Do you you desire it no do we want to get out of it yes but God has a purpose in it and in that all we can say is God let your will be done and let me be who you want me to be so that you're glorified in my life can I hear it amen amen <laughs> hallelujah and being tried in the test tube of the fiery trial It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day of his return. And so today, what I want to do in the final moments here that I have us together is I want us to look at for a few moments what God is not only doing, but what God is enabling you and me to hold on to, to conquer the trial, to go through the trial, to be matured through it, to let the impurities and let us be strengthened and let the glory and the character of God all of that as we begin to conquer this trial what happens and so today if you have our app you've downloaded the outline and I hope you have or maybe uh uh, in your notebook on a piece of paper I want you to write down three simple things three thoughts of how you can conquer how you can walk through these trials first of all How you're going to conquer the trial is found in verse 8. Let me read it to you. Verse 8. How do you conquer it? In verse 8, he says, I love this. Man, it caught me this week when I studied it. You love him. How are you going to conquer it? Just don't forget your love for him. Don't forget what he's done in your life. Don't forget who he is to you. Don't forget the sacrifice of Christ. Don't forget what God desires for you to be and what he's done for you to have a relationship with him. You love him even though you've never seen him. All of us in the physical, we've not seen him, but we love him. He's grabbed our heart. His spirit has transformed us. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though, uh, uh, even though you've not seen him, though not seeing him, you trust him. Even though we haven't seen him, you trust him. And even now you are happy with the inexpressible joy that comes from, and it goes on, heaven itself. And your further reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. He says, you love him, you experience him. One of the visions of our church, one of the key vision values is that we would experience God, that we would learn to love him and worship him and praise him. And by the way, in our vision statement, it doesn't say where you're gonna experience him and where you're gonna worship him. It just says, we're gonna experience him and worship him and praise him. And that's what you're doing today. God's desire for you and I is that we have a relationship with him. Sin separated us, but Jesus came and he becomes the bridge back to having peace with God the Father. When we begin to understand that our sin would bring judgment, we will be accountable for our sin. When we rebel against God, when we cut God off, we turn from God, we, if we don't repent, if we don't ask the Lord to come into our heart and our life, We will die without God. Peace with God. Now, when I have peace with God, I get the peace of God. We talked about that last week. But without Christ becoming the the substitute, the bridge, the sacrifice for you and I, we would have judgment for our sin. But what Peter is saying is we love him. Why? Because we know his mercy is boundless and his love is everlasting. And he's created a way for me to have an intercession intimate relationship with him. And all I can say is if you're listening today and watching me right now, If you're away from God and you're not where you need to be and you've never asked him into your heart in your life, all you got to do is right now. You don't even have to wait to the end of my talk. All you can do is right now. All you have to do is to say, Father God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Take the sins of my life and remove them. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he came. He died for me and I need a savior. I can't save myself. And in my confession, I ask you to forgive. Forgive me of my sin, come into my life, be my Savior, and I submit my life to becoming your follower as you become the Lord of my life. As you echo words like that, or you, you, in your mind, you, you, you say those words, in that prayer of surrender, of submission, of, of 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 yielding to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you will be saved. When I repent of that sin and I turn to him, you will be saved. And at that moment right there, he'll come into your life and he'll begin to transform you and will enable you. Now, if you pray that prayer with me today, I may not get a chance to say it later, but if you pray that prayer, please let me know. Text the word salvation to the number you're going to see on the screen. And as you text the word salvation, I guarantee you, wherever you're at, we're going to begin praying for you. We're going to lift you up. We're going to pray that God will do a work in your life. But secondly, I'm going to send back to you by text message, just a few things that will help you to begin to take the steps that you need with God so that you can become what God wants you to be. So when you say, God, I surrender, I yield, I give it to you. All of a sudden, there's something that transforms your life, and you begin to trust him like you've not trusted him before. Now, I've learned, and I hope I hope I can communicate this in a, in, 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 in a simple way, but I've learned the key to all of this, and make sure that I get this to you, is I've got to remain faithful. As I remain faithful, go back for me to the... To the first thing, I want to make sure I got this to you. How do I conquer through the trial? Is I got to remain faithful to to the fact that his boundless love has transformed my life. And as he's transforming me, there is something that's happened and that love for him continues to drive me and push me. So I've got to remain faithful. I love him, I trust him. And I'm gonna unpack trust in just a moment. But the key to this faithfulness is fixing my eyes on Jesus. As I fix my eyes, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, it becomes the key. Now I want to read to you two passages of scripture. Two passages of scripture. The first one is found in uh, uh, Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. And uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. We actually looked a little bit at this last week. But look here, he says, Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Look here, verse 18. So we fix, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what's the key? The key to remaining faithful, the key to faithfulness is fixing my eyes on Jesus. Let me show you another verse here. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two, Paul again is writing and he says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? He's the author and perfecter of our faith. For who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame uh, and, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the key to remaining faithful, the key to faithfulness is to to fix your eyes on Jesus. I don't know uh, for all of our Jamaicans that are watching us, uh, if uh, if you'll remember when Usain Bolt uh, won uh, the Olympics and set that world record. I mean, when you watch it, I wanted to show it to you, but they told me with all these YouTube reg- regulations, I couldn't, but I wanted to show you this. I mean, he was running. I mean, you'd be shouting in your house right now. I mean, if you remember, he was like, he was like, I mean, like five men ahead uh, in the race. And, and I mean, he just kind of copied. You know, and he looked back and he ran. I mean, what I I remember seeing in him was that he had his eyes fixed and he ran. He was running for the world record. He was running to win the gold and he was running with everything. There was something that was fixated and he was fixated on it as he was running. Well, that's the same idea here is that we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. And all I can tell you is when you do that, when you do that, when you fix your eyes on Jesus like that, What happens is you don't get caught up in the things of this world. In fact, Paul tells young Timothy, a soldier in active battle doesn't get entangled in the affairs of this life. When you and I give our life to Christ, we become a part of the army of God. And when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, there is something that helps us to look past all that's around us and enables us to remain faithful. So how do you conquer through the trial? you remain faithful. Say it with me. Remain faithful. If you're sitting with somebody, nudge them and say, point to them. Remain faithful. As you remain faithful, you will conquer the trials in your life. Secondly, say it with me, is we've got to refuse to be discouraged. That's right. Refuse to be discouraged. I want to take you over to Matthew chapter 6. I'm not going to read it, I'm not gonna read it, but in Matthew chapter six, and if you've downloaded the outline, you'll see it there. In Matthew chapter six is the story where Jesus is telling them not to worry. And in this, uh, in this, uh, in this passage of scripture of Matthew chapter six, uh, in verse 25, just wanna show you that one. He says, I tell you, do not worry about your life What you will eat or drink, and he goes on, don't worry about your body, don't worry about your food, don't worry about the necessities of your life, don't worry about your shelter, don't worry about your reputation or your stature, don't worry about your clothing, don't worry about your food, your drink, don't worry about any of that. In fact, he gets down to verse 33, very first memory verse I ever memorized as a brand new believer, Matthew 6, 33. In fact, let me show you that one. Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Food and clothing and shelter and all of these other things. These things will be given to you if you do what? Seek first the kingdom of God. For a few moments before I wrap up, I want to encourage you here is... Do you trust him? And what does it mean to trust him? You see, faith is one thing. Faith is a, and, and, and let me say, and trust is another thing. Faith is that there is a an allegiance or a, a duty to a person, that I have faith in God. There's a spiritual decision that's based on a belief. I have faith in God. But trust is at a whole nother level. Trust means that I'm going to allow someone to do something Without fearing the outcome of what they're going to do, I trust them. We see games that, that colleagues play at work and you know, and, and you will fall back and they'll catch you, or, or whatever the game will be. And it's, it's building trust among the team you see trust goes to a whole nother level i believe one thing but my trust goes to another level because i know in who i believe and i know what we talked about last week what we know really matters and i know That God is with me. I know that God is all powerful. I know what he's done before. He can do it again. I know that that's the power that's in my God. That he'll protect me. That he'll guide me. There's a trust in him. Because I believe him, I can trust him. Because I know who he is. I read a story this week. I I heard a story this week about a... um, a young boy that was on a flight and uh, and he was flying alone and and uh, the the turbulence of the the plane got really really rough and everybody was really frightened and holding on and he just continued to color and, and, and you know in his coloring book he was a young guy and the woman sitting next to him after a while says man aren't you afraid and he says no I'm not afraid and she says well, well why are you not afraid and he says because my dad's the pilot and I know that everything is okay. That's what it means when you trust God is that God is in control and everything is going to be okay. There may be turbulence, there may be chaos all around like there is right now, but there is a trust, an unwavering trust that says I know my God is in control. I want to show you the scripture in Psalm. Psalm 56 Psalm 56 verse 11 in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Go to the next uh, Psalm uh, for me. Psalm 27, verse five. In the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me. Now, this is important. He will hide me in the shelter of of the tabernacle. I think I have one more Psalm I wanna show you here. Psalm, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not and lean not on your own understanding. If you go back to that Psalm right before, go back for me, Psalm 27.5, in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. When you look at this, You don't really get the full understanding of that if you've never been to Israel. But if you ever go with us to Israel, you're going to come with us to a place called En Gedi. Now, En Gedi is where the psalmist wrote many of the psalms. And it was when he was running from David and he was hiding. And when we go to En Gedi, there's many caves that are there. And and those are places where he would say, the Lord is my shelter. He is my fortress. He is my hiding place. He is my stronghold. You see, it was there in En Gedi that he would have wrote that. Now the reason that that's important is because in has some caves. And, they, and, and in this pictures here, you can see the lush land. And then there would be some caves. You go back to that one a moment ago that you had first, that first one here. I mean, you can see the cave that's up underneath. I've actually been in this one right here. And uh, it's a beautiful sh- uh, uh, stream, that uh, waterfall and and, uh, and stream that's there. Now, David would have probably been inside this cave as he was writing these psalms and, and saying, in the shelter of the Most High, I take refuge refuge i come under him and and it might have been when there was turbulence or storms or or danger that was around or he was hiding from Saul that he's in that cave and it, you can see the imagery of the protection that's there and that's what he's saying is you don't have to get discouraged because you're under the shelter like a cave is sheltering you you're under the shelter you're taking refuge under God almighty so what's what is the key to being uh, the, the the key uh, uh, to overcoming discouragement, I believe it's taking every thought captive. When I take every thought captive, it becomes the key. And I want to read to you. Uh, I want to read to you one verse here that helps you to see it. Taking every thought captive becomes the key to the key to overcoming discouragement. First. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse five says, we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. The key to overcoming discouragement is that I've got to take those thoughts captive. Now, why is this important is because as I'm maturing in my faith, and and boy, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you're going to recognize what I'm saying right now is so, so true. True. The greatest battle for you is the thoughts, the worry, the things that begin to come into our mind, the the, the, the things that the enemy would try to implant into our thoughts that would get us off of the path and the will of God and, and serving God. And we've got to learn as mature believers to take every thought captive, to submit it to God. As my imagination begins to run wild, Maybe right now, I mean, you've had so many worries or anxious thoughts or your imagination is just running and and fears and worries and what ifs are coming and coming and coming. We've gotta learn to take those thoughts captive. We've gotta learn to begin to say as we take it captive is what do you say about this God? What does your your word say about this? I'm worried about this, but God, what does your word say? I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about this situation or that situation. God, what are you saying in your word? What is your word saying? see, it's a decision, it's a choice that I make and I take that thought captive. And as I take that thought captive, you will never be overcome. You will never give in to the trials and the discouragement if you will fix your eyes on Jesus and you'll take every thought captive because you'll be right in the perfect will of God. That's the key, and that's the secret. Lastly, as we wrap up, before we go into a few uh, moments, I want to encourage you to get into a, a, a few moments of discussion with others on this message today. The third and final way that we conquer trials is that we learn to rejoice in the trial. Now, last week we looked at joy, but this is different. Rejoicing is different. It's There's a delight that's in the Lord that, that, that as I, in fact, I love what, what Paul says in, in Philippians chapter four and verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And the reality I told you last week, Paul was writing that when he's in prison. I can't imagine he's in prison. He's chained to a guard 24 hours a day. I've been in that prison cell. It's down in a cave. He's about 10 feet down. And uh, it's actually not even a cave. It's a big hole cave in in the ground. It goes all the way up. There's no way to get up except for you're lowered up and down. It's about 15 feet. You would have been lowered down. Guards would have been up and down. He's chained 24 hours and he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I'm telling you in the trial rejoicing is the last thing we want to do let's be honest it's the last thing we want to crawl up we want to get in our in our in our in our in our cocoon and we want to get isolated but the secret is that we rejoice in the trial we rejoice because it's our praise it's our praise that enables us to bring the presence of the lord into our trial when joy and praise begins to come up there's something that happens and god gets into the middle of your trial And now you're not looking at what's around you, but all of a sudden your eyes are on the Lord and you can begin to praise him and the joy of the Lord begins to rise up. And that's why the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Why is because his presence comes down. He didn't say that we complain about it. We praise. Paul's chained and he says, I tell you, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice always in him. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. As you and I are walking through this time times of uncertainty. There's fears, there's doubts, there's questions that come so easily. But today's message, I hope you get it, is that we can trust Him in the middle of the trial. And if we will pick up on these keys that I've shared with you today, I guarantee you, your faith will be strong. It'll be like fire that's been under the gold of your faith, and you'll come out mature, strengthened in God, and you'll be what God wants you to be. Now as we finish the word today. I just want to first of all thank all of you that have been in a watch party today but I want to encourage not only our watch parties but I want to encourage everyone that's watching and everybody that's a part of the the live services right now that as soon as we're done in a few moments we're going to have some Zoom discussion groups and we're going to take a few moments in our Zoom discussion group to talk about it. You're going to see a link and and they're going to tell you how to get to that discussion room but I want to encourage you to talk about it dissect it, look at it, encourage one another so that we can find the strength to trust through the trial. I want to pray with you. If you're comfortable, wherever you're at, if you're able to, will you bow your heads? and Let me pray with you right now. Father, right now, as we come to you, I thank you, God. I thank you that you're the God that gives comfort. You're the God that no matter what the trials may be, that we can cry out to you and we can know that God, you are strengthening us, that your love is there that you are a faithful God And I pray, God, that you'll help me. Just say that with me. God, would you help me to remain faithful, God? I worship you because I know that you're my provider. You're my healer. You're my counselor. But God, I pray that you'll help me. Help me to hold on to the words that we've heard today from Peter. That God, you're strengthening me. You're maturing me. And God, it's my love that that brings me to a place of trusting you, relying on you, and declaring how much. I love you and I worship you. So Father, in the quietness of this moment, in my my heart right now, I pray God that if there's any that are wrestling with fear, they're wrestling with worry, they're wrestling with doubt, I just pray God that the presence of the Lord in these moments, your presence, will come into their room, will fill their car, will touch them right now as they're walking, that God, you would minister to them. They would sense you. They would sense that the heavens have opened over their life, over their heart, over them right now, that, God, you'll give them strength. Touch them, Lord, by your power. Give them strength in their weakness. Give them fear in their, give them peace in their fears, oh, God. Encourage them. Be with them. Help them, God, as they determine that they're going to be what you want them to be. And God, today, collectively, in unity, we declare, my eyes are on you. Help us to fix our eyes on you, to not to see the circumstances and and the situations of our life, but God, to keep our eyes fixed on you. If we keep our eyes on you, we'll have the right perspective, and it'll pull us through. And today, God, I pray that you'll help us to rejoice always. Put a song on my lips, a song in my heart. Help me to rejoice knowing that I've got a God that will see me through, that's with me, guiding me, protecting me, that God, you're there with me. And lastly, Father, I pray that you'll help all of us to be messengers of hope, to take a message of hope everywhere to everyone. Give us opportunities to share your love, the boundless mercy and grace of God. Let it be shared, Father, with everyone. In your name we pray, amen and amen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today. You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.